0: Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. This is your host, John Landis. Tonight we have an interview with um, a wonderful vocalist uh, named Olivia Foshi. You may know her work. She is local. She lives on the North Fork. She's a good buddy of Go Goldstein, who's a played a, play a lot with the uh, Jam Session and, and very well known. She's, she's a colleague of his. And uh, Olivia is a great talent in her own right, very creative person, um, a wonderful, charming person. Uh, got to interview her, which was a, a privilege for me, and uh, she um, has a lot of really interesting insights. So let's hear our uh, interview with vocalist Olivia Foshi. So here we are at the Jam Session ra- Radio Hour, and I'm John Landis, and we are today with Olivia Foshi. and Olivia is in Italy, and she'll tell you where she is, not exactly, but she's out in remote part, but she has Wi-Fi, and she'll tell you what that is. Hi thank Olivia. You so,
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me on on the show, John. Yeah. Yes, I'm in a very remote part of uh, northern Italy, sort of um, not too far from the Adriatic coast, but up in the foothills of wow. um, yeah of the Apennines. Love so it. the Wi-Fi here is a little bit spotty. Hopefully strong enough to to be able to have this interview.
0: Wi-Fi being what we call Wi-Fi, and you call Wi-Fi. Well, we're very lucky to have you, and um, a lot of people who are familiar with the Jam Session and the Jam Session Radio Hour know your music, but they don't know you. They know your music, and they may have seen you. Probably, uh, You probably did Bayburger, the Jam Session, what, two or three times? Maybe more? Yes, yeah. twice. I,
1: I was a special guest twice, and okay. then I showed up at the Jammer, I think, one other time.
0: Tell us about, um, just so we can get a background, about your background, your career, where, how you got where, where you are, and um, but go ahead.
1: Um, how I got to where I am, I, I started, I always loved music. My great-grandmother, my Italian great-grandmother on my father's side was an opera singer, and she was actually a vocal coach as well. She was forbidden by her husband to sing, and so this was always kind of a family myth for us, and it was something, I, I never met my great-grandmother but I knew a lot about her and she would have my father sing with her at private parties because she was, once she got married, she was no longer able to sing publicly. And her name was Anna Maria Cavalli. And uh, I, it was interesting. I found an excerpt about her at the New York public library, which is really quite something for me wow. to find some of my own heritage in there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so my father then kind of kept the lineage going and we would sing regional songs, Italian, regional songs and, and kind of um, songs that not that many people knew except for people from this specific part of Emilia Romagna, Romagna area, um, just south of Bologna, I guess, southeast of Bologna. And ever since we were kids, my brother and I just grew up singing with him, singing country songs, folk songs in our dialect. And that sort of started stewing within me, uh, both the folk element of it, but also just the idea of being able to share such a magical, powerful world of voices together and singing together. Um, so then I started very loosely training, uh, in school. And, and I I was fortunate enough to go to an international school. My mother's American, so she took it to heart that we would be able to speak English well. And my brother, um, was not doing really well in Italian public schools. So anyway, long story short, we, we were able to have uh, kind of a varied education that allowed us to learn English well and and be bilingual and kind of have a more open approach to everything that was musical, both from our small region. So everything that is folklore to um, one of my biggest influences in high school, his name is Roy Zimmerman, and he was my uh, music teacher. And he, really got me started on guitar and chorus and choir and singing and composing and I started composing in high school with Roy, with Professor Z, Mr. Z. And mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of started this whole thing. And then I, I originally I started college and I was told to get a, a degree in something that was a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because now my career is in music. But uh, I graduated in English with literature and after doing that and kind of Learning, I think the poet, a lot of the poetry that I, that I use in my own writing and a lot of the rhythmic um, voicings that I use come from a lot of the literature that I studied. So I'm, I'm actually very grateful for, for that direction that mm-hmm. my education took. And then um, I, kinda, I, I transferred over to the University of Music in Rome. And I was there for a couple of years and, and I furthered my studies in Northern Italy. And then I finally ended up winning a uh, scholarship and moving over to L.A and I studied with um, an opera singer there at the Venice Voice Academy, which was a lot of fun. And it kind of opened up a whole world of, well, why don't you help me teach? And then I moved to New York after having met my husband and I started studying mixed meter and polyrhythm with Mark Momas. I had spent some time in Nepal. And so I started studying, I I studied with a professor called uh, Avas and he taught me some madal playing, as well as classical Nepali singing, And that opened up another new realm within this sort of folklore meets jazz. um, And that was the whole world of of Eastern music and Indian music, particularly in this case, Nepali music. And so my, I think, I like to think that one of my strengths in music is definitely rhythm. Um, And so the rhythmics that came out of that and the rhythmic appreciation that came out of that experience led me then to start studying mixed-meter polyrhythm with Mark Momas in New York City when I moved out here about 12 years ago. Um, and then having studied with him, I started teaching and it kind of, everything just sort of unfolded very naturally.
2: Huh. Uh, in the
1: meantime, Mark then introduced me to a fantastic professor of um, conical and that is Indian rhythmic singing. And his name is Ganesh Kumar. And he teaches mm-hmm. out of southeast, out of um, uh, Chennai, in, in in India, and so I would have Zoom lessons with him, or what was uh, it was actually on Skype at the time when we started. And so hey, I, I just,
0: recording artist Ganesh Kumar.
1: He is, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of a lot of great things, and he he plays um, percussion instruments as well as as well as conical, which uh-huh. is sung percussion.
0: What is what is it called conical?
1: Conical. Mm-hmm.
0: Conical. How do you spell that?
1: It's K-O-N-N-A-K-K-O-L.
0: And that what is conical? That's a traditional form of singing.
1: Where, yeah, it's a it's basically where the gods are believed to have been given the sounds or have given the sounds to uh, the drums. So it's specific uh, drum sounds, and it's um, for example ta ding ding na. And that, that kind of thing, you, you so you sing these sounds, um, right. and it's it has a really deep background. And the I think the fun for me was in all this mixed meter and polyrhythmic element that you have in Conical. So you're you're counting in five, and you're all there, all of a sudden you go into four phrasing, and you go into three phrasing. And does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
3: Whatever don't let it, Whatever don't let Whatever don't Whatever
0: You're listening to WLIW FM 88.3 on your dial in Southampton, New York, Long Island's only NPR station. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and tonight we have an interview with a local vocalist, Olivia Foshi. Can you talk some more about the the Nepalese training? I think it's so fascinating. and Also, what its influences are in your in your music, or at, and you know how you gravitate okay. with that.
1: With the Nepali training, um, I just I basically learned traditional Nepali sa, uh, radhas. So uh-huh. I was doing a lot of Nepali classical radhas. And that kind of opened my, my mind to Eastern music. And then when I started doing Chronicle with Ganesh Kumar from India, um, that was more specific to rhythm. So it was purely percussive work, vocal percussive work. Um, and at that time, I was I was actually pregnant when I started working with him. And it's it's kind of a, a side note, but it's it's interesting how all this works together organically. I was being pregnant with twins. I just the hiccup element right there is polyrhythmic, right? When they both get the hiccups at the same time, but uh,
0: apart part of that. Inside, and they're hiccuping.
1: Belly going in every direction.
0: Does that continue um, when they come out? They yeah, hiccup at The yeah, same time? The kids.
1: It was an instant, but when they were in my stomach, and and I would be studying. I mean, the breath management was what it was. It was a little bit difficult towards the end, especially once once you're carrying twins, but it was an instant relaxing element. So if the kid, if both of them were moving about a lot in my stomach or I was anxious for whatever reason and the babies felt it in my stomach, if I started singing conical, they would sort of melt into it. And I wrote a record for them a few years back that actually Gil uh, arranged a lot of pieces for and Ulysses Owens uh, helped me produce. And um, I wanted to include this funicle element in a lot of standards that we were doing, and in one of my own pieces because it was a, such a central part of my pregnancy with the boys. It was amazing really, amazing. it was. I mean, exactly. I mean, when would the
0: hiccups come? I mean, relative to all that progress of uh, breathing and everything, when would the hiccups come? When they when you were anxious or when you were calm?
1: It just happened. That's that it was it just happened. happened.
0: That wasn't the director's comment.
1: <laughs> But it was just, it was interesting uh, for me to just kind of try and share this, uh, try and, and embrace right, this whole uh, element of, of beats that were going on in the body and then share it with them by tapping. I would tap on my belly oh and my I would God. just sing in whatever that that sort of thing oh you're God. singing is and and they were just responding to it and they would start moving on the beat and it was it was a beautiful um (laughs) response to this so all of a sudden it just kind of it i definitely wove itself into my music my my rhythmic understanding and inevitably into when i'm scatting or when i'm improvising in in sort of straight ahead jazz yeah is that uh is
0: that a I mean, it's a thread that gets into, as you say, into your scatting, into what you do now. Are you still, you know, avidly studying it or it's just part of what, what it's, what's in your training. I was
1: avidly studying up until the pandemic. And okay. then for a series of reasons, including financial reasons, this lack of work, um, okay. know, I, I kind of pulled back up until about, I started, I, I was studying up until the beginning of the pandemic and maybe come April um, i i quit april of last year i i just held back but i'm still in touch with with my teacher with ganesh okay. we we talk all the time and i'll probably start studying again i uh-huh. we got into a really hard chapter so i was uh, still right. digesting
0: yeah and um so that record that you mentioned that you did where there's a lot of that influence that was your first record
1: that's my second record it's that's called the uh, fleeting window mm-hmm. Okay. Because my first record was Perennial Dreamer. And that okay. was more of a, uh, just a debut, a classic debut record. Uh-huh. Here I am. I'm, I'm going to try and do this. And I, someone yeah. once called me a jazz singer. So here I am. Hello uh-huh. world. I'm trying and present uh-huh. myself as a jazz singer. Right. Uh, and U- Ulysses Owens, also produced Ulysses Owens Jr., fantastic drummer, really good friend of mine, whom I met actually at a jazz workshop in Italy more than 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, we became good friends and he offered to help produce that record. Um, so we put out the first record and, and that had a little bit of a, of a buzz around it. And, um, and then I finally eventually wrote my second record, which is fleeting windows, um, which I took a lot more personally. That really, I think it tells the story. Every song that's in the second record is, uh, very emblematic or very uh, a strong component of my relationship with my children Mm -hmm. and my, my, voyage as a new mom of twins. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And that so and that record you say has more of the conical in it. Yes. Yes,
1: yes it does. Are there some it, songs on I, that
0: record that are just primarily conical?
1: No. I I I kind of wove it into um the the intro of of a few things. I think um let me think of what. Let's see i'm trying to think of what tunes have have it the most i would say um, uh let's see what tunes have them have the most of that i think look for the silver lining mm-hmm. I have, um
0: which is I, a I which is a traditional song right that's yeah
1: correct that's yeah, covered yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: your your form of cover well that's cool
1: and i and i wove it into into yeah. the uh yeah um
0: so our uh, in your performing career um talk about some of that but it, uh, one specific question is have you had performances where you just focus on that um eastern influence
1: uh i did i did for for certain classes so oh. when i would showcasing that right. uh, in my performance one of the pieces i think with the strongest piece uh, firefly which is a, a piece that kenny Barron wrote with or co-wrote um, with. Um, uh, Chris White Jr. Mm-hmm. was a bass.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Chris White put the words to it, and Baron wrote the, the music for it. Um, and they had it on their record, Lucifer. That was a song that I, I had the fortune of singing with Chris White, and so I put that on the record. And whenever we perform Firefly, we did it in, in seven and kind of broke it down. Actually, Alex DiBiagge did a great, um, a great arrangement for that tune for this last record. And so Firefly has a really heavy sort of conical element to it.
0: So that's on your so that, Windows record?
1: Yes, it is. Okay.
0: Yeah. Which came out when?
1: Three years ago now. It feels mm-hmm. like it just
0: came out. Three okay. just be- So really, that's just before the pandemic. Pandemic is really, when I think of, exactly. you know, just before, it's like 2019, 2018. Exactly. Um, excellent. Um, so one other question I would have about that whole part of your background is the, the spiritual element um, in all of that music which obviously is in music in general, but is that, how does that carry over into your music? If at all, I mean, it does rhythmically. Right. Um, (laughs) And, but is, is would you say that the spiritual element also infiltrates your music as a result? of I think
1: think so. Um, I think the music kind of organically happens. I think Uh I'm a very believer that we are sort of the vessels for something that is already out there. Um, whether it's an original piece or whether it's our interpretation of a standard um, that's I, I think that's the kind of along the lines of like what you're asking I mean, almost you like a,
0: a channeling sort of something when you say it's out there yeah,
1: yeah I almost think it's selfish to, to own a piece right to say uh-huh. this is mine I did this I feel like the music is already out there and we really are our vessels for it to come through uh-huh. and it's already all existing around us it's just a question of of capturing it and being able to to put it together and somehow have it come out.
0: Uh huh. And are there times when you're writing or performing when you feel that more than other times?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I had. I mean, a, a good example is during this pandemic. I I just I got hit pretty hard. We had a few family losses, and it was emotionally and musically and artistically draining um, and empty and just dark. It was a, a the first year for me was a really dark time and I couldn't even find a space to sing. Um, and then I, I lost, I lost both my grandmothers actually, and one of them in particular, who was a big jazz head and, and, and just a, a, one of my very best friends, closest friends. And I kind of, I really wanted to write something for her and I would sit at her piano. I still have her Steinway. That's, that's where where I compose and that's in on Long Island.
0: Uh, wow. and, and
1: I, uh, she's originally from California and, uh, or she, she lived in California and I, I just, I kept trying to write something and it was just dry. There was not, no inspiration. Right. I wasn't singing. I wasn't gigging. Right. I was, I mean, there was a lot of obviously, uh, in, in, debilitating things, just like being a mom 24 hours, right? right. Not having any mental space even, mm-hmm. um, and, and, or any emotional release through my music. I think a lot of us as musicians, a lot of our emotional release comes through our music. Um, and it's just a, a way to to let ourselves go. Um, and I think through this COVID and, and, and not being, I wasn't teaching, I wasn't singing, I wasn't digging. It kind of all just started, getting stuck in this box. And I I joined a writing group. I thought that maybe if I had some assignments, I would be able to to force something out. And I I think I forced two pieces out in a year. I was supposed to hand a piece in every every month and I only handed in two, I think. Um, And then finally one day, it was uh, just before the year anniversary of her death, just recently actually, the song just happened. And it just everything just kind of the sun started shining again Mm -hmm. and the song just kind of happened. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm not a a religious person, Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there was something there that just kind of started flowing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's if it's a result of starting to see the end of the tunnel in terms of the pandemic and um, or if it was just being able to embrace all the loss and the Mm -hmm. sadness and this kind of world that we the whole world shared this huge hole mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so how can we embrace that and somehow turn it around and have it feed our soul and so this so a couple pieces actually finally started happening and i'm, I'm hoping to to perform them actually at the church on on September oh that's 9th. great
4: you can bet your life it rains I try to give a party but the guy upstairs complains I guess I'll go through life just catching colds and missing trains cause everything Can't fool this heart that thinks for me. And I've mortgaged all my castles in the air. Telegram and phone, I've sent an airmail special too. But your answer was goodbye, and there was even. Stitch, two I fell in love just once and then? After-
0: Once again, you're listening to WLIW 88.3 in Southampton, New York, also heard on WLIW.org slash radio. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us. Um, you're listening to our interview of local vocalist, noted vocalist Olivia Foshi. And one of the reasons you say you're from the East End is because of our um, one of our favorite musicians, Gil Goldstein. Yes. And, uh, and so talk a little bit about that and about Gil. And uh, again, Gil has been on this. He's been in the Jam Session Radio Hour. He's he's done pieces for us. He did a piece with Jorge Pardo that I mentioned to you. So talk about Gil a little bit and all that. Yes, well,
1: Um Gil, I actually just went back and forth with him this morning.
0: Oh, and did you tell fortunate- him you were going to do this?
1: Yeah, we're, and I told him, you know we are so lucky. Finally, we get to hug our family again in Italy and be here. And he said, well, "Are you ever coming back?" And the boy, uh-huh. <laughs> some pictures. Um, Gil and Ellen, his his wife, who um, are just a huge part of our family. They're, I'd like to say they're kind of the family that we that we choose, I suppose, if we can say that. Uh, they took us in as their own, and um, we we started coming out to visit them on the East End about you know, maybe
2: yeah 12 years ago
1: and we house sat for them a couple times and i sat in with the local uh fourth of july parade with him and in a few, ah. in a few uh, instances and then we eventually bought our place to up the road from them uh-huh. in new Suffolk. Right. fell in love with the town and and the energy it reminded me a lot of home a lot of italy um and then there. they've just been wonderful they're my kids they kind of took in my kids as if they're family and my kids they call them auntie and uncle and and,
0: oh my gosh and they've been
1: incredible yeah
0: and you and I just recently ran into each other at a Gil Goldstein concert at the uh, Green Hill Kitchen with Gene Casey
1: oh yes yes we did that was a fun concert very different from what he normally does
0: Uh, totally I would think
1: that for for me was great example of how Gil, how versatile and just how incredible he is as a musician.
2: Right. Uh, In
1: any setting, whether it's classical music, whether it's jazz, whether it's folk or, or what, you know, what he does with Bobby McFerrin or what he's doing with Gene Casey, which is more on the bluesy side of things. Uh Um, It was just yet another perfect example of his incredible musical mind and his incredible ability to, adapt and and perform with with anyone
0: and his his wife alan is an artist and a teacher yeah and is your husband's an artist he is
1: a stop motion producer he works in stop motion and she used to be an animator um, as well a fabricator i think but mostly an animator for Uh stop motion and so they used to work together and that's how we that's how i originally met them is in order my husband was trying to woo me and get me to stay in new york because i was sort of a nomad at that point i'd gotten the scholarship i wanted to leave italy but i didn't know where to live and so he thought he would introduce me to everyone he knew who had something to do with music so my first dinner in california this was well I, I had moved to california for a few months for the scholarship so I, I was living in italy at the time full-time let's say um and i'd moved to california for a few months and then he didn't want me to go back to italy or stay in California. He wanted me to come to New York and mm. stay in New York.
2: Mm. So he introduced
1: me to Gil. I think it was my second dinner in New York. He said, yeah, I've got this friend. He's in jazz. You know, you might know him. You might. And I went to dinner and I said, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> you, Gil Goldstein, are you
2: yeah. kidding me? <laughs> uh, and
1: of course I'd already heard of him. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I just, we met him and it was it was just insane. He's, Gil is, is just such a warm, welcoming, funny yeah. person. And right. yeah was an instant sort of yes, I want to stay here. There are people like this around that you can actually meet. And I think a lot of that for me was new because jazz, at least in Europe has more of an elitist feel. I think it's a it's a tighter network. Um, I think it's changing a lot now. But when I left Italy, which was 12 years ago, um, jazz was sort of a tighter circle. Whereas in New York, it's you get the best of the best. And Mm -hmm. they're all so humble. And everyone is so welcoming uh, and of course not everyone, but you right. know, uh, most, right. most jam sessions that I hit, most most big musicians that I worked with have always been so welcoming and open. And uh, so that was a, a big reason for me to stay out here. Um, again, Ulysses Owens was another another piece. Ulysses is a dear friend. And, and so that was uh, another reason to stay. And then, yeah, Alex, but, of
0: course. Has it worked okay out here for your um, career to be, um, you know, I mean, we're two, uh, two hours and more from New York City to be out here? Would, you, would it be different if you were in the city?
1: Uh, I think it would, but I, I chose to be a mom full time. Mm-hmm. I chose to take that on and, and, and I love it. And I don't think that, I think if I'd stayed in the city, I would have had more gigging opportunities. Um, definitely. I would have had more work in that respect. I gave up working for the Brooklyn Conservatory um, because the commute back and forth was just too far.
0: You were teaching Um, there,
1: teaching there, yeah, Um, and teaching jazz voice there, and it was a lot of fun. I had a great workshop there. Um, I kept my work with the New York Jazz Workshop because it's a little bit more flexible in terms of hours and times. Um, So yes, I I definitely could have had more opportunities in the city, but. I love where I am. And I think it's a perfect place for the kids. And then there really are some phenomenal musicians out in the East end. Um, It's just a smaller pocket, but it's a great Mm -hmm. pocket, very rich pocket.
0: I want to give a plug to one of the, actually the way I met Gil, uh, I guess I met him probably through the jam, but really we then recognized each other at a fundraiser for the Peconic school, the Peconic community school. Yes. That's where my kids go that's where your kids go oh that's marvelous oh everything is full circle here because we're we're yes. good friends of the casey's um you know liz and Catherine. yes and Quigley. They're,
1: inc- they're incredible i mean they kept our kids in school all year they they got a new space in the um, in the vertebra grounds so the kids were outdoors all year with their little masks and i, I have to really i mean i don't know how to thank their teachers Mm we were able to despite all the weather conditions and the freezing cold we're outside doing jumping jacks to warm up with our kids in the snow and all the kids were safe and we had very very few cases the school stayed open all year it was uh we were really really fortunate to have that it's a phenomenal school it's a great environment they are in james
0: is that vertebrae's in jamesport
1: yes yeah that was their second they call it uh pcs east so we're at PCS East. My kids are in kindergarten. They just finished kindergarten. And
0: they have two locations now?
1: They do, yep. Huh? They were. They opened this Eastern location for uh, the smaller ones. So okay. ages three, four, and five. And uh, one of the teachers actually in the boys' class, so in the kindergarten class, um, the main teacher is Paula Flores, phenomenal human being, incredible teacher, just an wow. absolutely incredible teacher who wow. was really helpful for my kids emotionally. Um, but then their other teacher is uh, Donald Garside. Who's a great singer and songwriter, I think. Uh, and he, he, I think he's, he's also a songwriter, but he does a lot of folk music and he was on his guitar all the time with the kids doing these, these circles and and having all the kids dance and sing and perform with him every Friday. And it was just such an incredible experience for my boys. And I think for everyone in that class and in that environment, because it was a tough year emotionally for little ones. It's hard to, it's hard to sort of, uh, quantify all the emotions and almost not even just just digest everything that's going on around us and all the you know what in the world is happening right now um so i think the musical element for them just added such a lightness and such a beautiful um way to to be together and interact and actually share they they had more music than we did honestly
0: because yeah.
1: <laughs> they were able to do it every week and
0: and so when you play with us, um, when you play with the Hamptons jazz fest in early September, will that be one of your first, um, public performances in a while?
1: Yes. I sat in with a good friend of mine on the Sunday before leaving for Italy. And that was, um, in the city, in a, a small place in Brooklyn and the bar was empty. It was all open, but it was empty. Um, so it was a lot of fun cause it was, I was easy to kind of break the ice there mm-hmm. and perform and, um, but then on the ninth, it's it's gonna be my first real big performance, and I can't wait. I can't, can't wait. Honestly, really? I got the band together. I got everyone my 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 fantastic band back together. So Gil Goldstein's gonna be on keys. Marco Panachia on bass, uh, also a fellow Italian, phenomenal bass player. Ulysses Owens Jr. Uh, on drums. So it's a really 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 strong bass um, oh horn player TVD at the moment. Uh-huh. Uh, on- okay. Uh, yeah, Randy couldn't make it. I was hoping he he might be able to sit in with us, but he's actually coming to Europe. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll have another horn player there. Uh, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't. I'm Sipiagin hoping will,
0: that Sippy will yeah. still be in Italy, right?
1: He's actually in New York, but he's on a recording session, okay. so he doesn't make it. I was really hoping to get the whole band back together. Okay, but I don't think he'll make it. But I have some really good recommendations from him, so we'll work someone else out of equal caliber.
0: So those that you described, plus maybe Sippyogan, that's that whole troop is, is what you would describe as your band. The people who you played. Oh, with? they
1: they worked on my last record with me, and oh, so the all those um, that you mentioned. Yes, mm-hmm. they're they yeah, all those that I mentioned. We had uh, Billy Test was also on piano. Um, Daniel Dickinson was uh, doing saxophone lines, um, and he played some flute, and he played. Um, yeah, it's a, all sorts of, of different uh, clarinet and mm-hmm. uh, bass clarinet, and then Yo know, Tom Silverstein was on guitar
2: mm-hmm. on
1: that record, um, and yeah, we had who plays Joseph- you on,
0: on your first record? That's what I was listening to this morning, and there's some really pretty uh, electric guitar licks on that. Anyway, yeah. So there's gonna be there's gonna be guitar, uh, but there won't be guitar on on the ninth.
1: Not on the ninth. No, I know. I I asked uh, Gil to be our main our right. main guy.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're so looking forward to that. Me too. So yeah. Yeah. And, it's gonna be.
1: I'm really excited to be back. I'm kind of. uh Yeah, I'm really ready to to be back. I'm hoping that we have that much more to say again. As I was saying earlier, come back sort of with
0: with more we're energy about doing the jam session to starting the jam session again. So that's going to be, uh, um, something that you, you contend.
1: David Rosenthal. Sorry.
0: Just David Rosenthal Dave guitarist Rosenthal. on the first record. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So the jam session, if it works out the way we're hoping it will work out, will be in a re- uh, a real church, uh, as opposed to the art church, which they call the church. And, uh, it'll be the Christ Episcopal church in Sag Harbor, hopefully on Sunday nights. Um, you know, this will be different because we've always been in a commercial, the jam session's always been a, in a commercial venue, although the Hamptons Jazz Fest, which the jam session is producing is, mm-hmm. uh, is in a mix, you know, we'll take, you know, we're going to do some at East Hampton LTV and uh, Southampton Arts Center in Southampton Village. And we did one with Morris Goldberg at the parish and also the Hayground School,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it sounds like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's all good. And it's
1: that's fantastic. Congratulations.
0: Yeah. It's part and parcel of everything coming back and people wanting to play and Clayus Brondahl, who's our music director. He's, you know, he's been really dedicated to try to get um, occasions when people could play even during the, the pandemic, just to get music musicians to come out. So we've, we've done some sessions like at the Stephen Talk house.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
0: Do you know John Arabagan? Do you know who that is? John Arabagan? Yeah. No. He's a saxophone player. I think he plays he plays tenor and alto and soprano. he's, okay. and he's got his own label now. It's called Arabagast Records. Okay. I recorded him. You can hear that. That's a good that's a good uh, podcast. It'll be up soon. I R A B-A-G-O-N, Arabagon. Um fascinating guy. So also from the East End? No, he's a New Yorker. Um, but he's played with all different kinds of people. I'm sure there's some that you he went to Manhattan School of Music and maybe to Ju- Juilliard, I think, but he went to, I think a lot of his cronies are from Manhattan School of Music. You know, he's probably in his mid thirties. He's got little okay. ones too, I believe. Um, so um, influences for you, you've mentioned them, Ganesh uh, and others. And you talk in your bio, it talks about, um, you're studying nonverbal uh, mm-hmm. communication, and mm-hmm. tell us about that and how that fits. Uh,
1: I think the I, I've always my, my absolute number one biggest muse is Chet Baker. He's always been my my go-to in terms of vocal approach to singing, and I think that his nonverbal is very apparent, right? So in in his interpretation of standards. The way you can hear the non the, the the nuances in his voice and the emotion coming through in his voice is incredibly strong. Um, both on his improvisation, vocal improvisation, not the trump. I mean, the trumpet playing, of course, as well. But in terms of as a vocalist, um, and I think it's he's not necessarily the most. He's not. He wasn't trained as a singer, right? He wasn't. It wasn't this incredibly beautiful voice like uh, other other prof- you know, and I won't name too many names you know but uh, other big jazz singers that uh, we all know and love um just I think that the emotion that you can feel through his voice was always something that I was incredibly attracted to um and I I took that very seriously and I I think that's kind of woven itself through my music mm-hmm.
5: A stanotte notte, so te dolce bimbo ti dirò che presto tornerò senza te, sento gelo. Solo le qui con me, turn per me, le stelle nel mio cielo Take, dormi karaoke
0: Once again, you're listening to WLIW 88.3 in Southampton, New York, also heard on WLIW.org slash radio. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us. Um, you're listening to our interview of local vocalist, noted vocalist Olivia Foshee.
1: I remember I was sitting with Faye Victor at the New York Jazz Workshop when I was sitting with Mark as well uh, early on when I was in New York you know, 12 years ago. And one of her, I remember she had me slow down. I was doing, um, I think it was alone together and she had me slow it down to something like 30 BPM. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was a really, really slow BPM. Uh-huh. And I, like, I can't, how am I going to get through this? Right. It's just the breath and, but then something clicked and I understood the, where I had to go and kind of reach into and what parts of, of my voice I needed to reach or my, my emotion really I needed to reach into in order to still be convincing in my singing and still come across to someone. I think um, some of the crooners are are phenomenal, but but there's so little emotion, even though their singing chops were perfect. Uh-huh. Um, the emotion behind what they're singing. Um, didn't at least for me personally didn't come through, and then I would I would hear other singers where you're just blown away by one simple line. Um,
2: yeah,
1: just how much they can they can put into that. Yeah. Um, so that there was an Italian uh, woman that I worked with early on when I was still in Rome, uh, Maria Grazia Facciolà uh, um, was her name, and she was, she started she was doing this. Um, more theatrical work with nonverbal and had us working on that. And then I think I delved more into it with Faye Victor and, and slowly with all the rhythmic elements that I've been studying and percussive elements that I've been studying in other forms of music. And that's come through. It's woven itself through. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's wonderful. You've, you've, uh, you've really taken us down some really interesting pathways that uh, that's one of the great things about, doing interviews with uh, you artists and musicians is that uh, that's what you are. You're, you're artists. And um, that's great. And we can't wait to see you September 9th. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and to talk to you again and talk to you face to face and uh, to see Gil and everybody else that you put together. You're right. just, uh, you're an inspiring person to talk to. And we thank you
1: thank so you much. John. Thank you for having me. I'm honored honored to be featured um, on
0: We could go on much longer. And, and it's been fascinating, Olivia. And, and you know, just again, for the tough time that you've had, we're so glad that you've come through it. I'm sure you miss your the people you've lost. And we're sorry for that. And our hearts are with you and in Italy and when you return. Thank All you right. so much. All right. All the best to you. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thank you, John.
0: so we're so happy to have had her um interview this evening um she will be playing with the hamptons jazz fest uh this is our good fortune on the night of september 9th at the church the new art church in sag harbor thank you um thank you so much for uh Uh, April Gornick and Eric Fischel for having put that together it's a wonderful resource of art and music that we have and they've been delightful to us allowing the Hamptons Jazz Fest to play there I think three times during the uh, Jazz Fest which goes right through September and we've got some great people coming up just some of the ones that are um, uh, which are coming near near in time one is Iris Ornig um, and uh, also Julie Bluestone and Alberto Bengale at the uh, uh, Barron's Cove Hotel in Sag Harbor. The Ray Anderson Band, which is a wonderful band. He's one of the best trombone players around. Hipla Jazz with Baba Israel. If you haven't heard them, you have to. If you like some hip-hop and beatbox along with jazz. Bill O'Connell and his uh, Latin All-Stars with Paquito de Rivera. And uh, Peter Martin Weiss and Jane Hastie. Uh, wonderful local mainstays of the music scene out here um and uh, with john ludlow and others and that's going to be a great great night so that's just some of the stuff that's coming up there's great stuff coming right through august and september go to hamptonsjazzfest.com. and again uh the wonderful olivia Foshi and um gil goldstein and um uh, Ulysses Owens Jr. and others that she's played with they will be playing at the church from 6 to 8 on September 9th which is a Thursday so if you can do not miss that that's gonna be one of the real highlights so thank you Olivia so much for your insights uh, and for your inspiration and for doing this interview thanks also to Kleis Brandal our music director thank you to WLIW Uh, which carries this for us. And thanks in particular to Rafael Alvarez for the great work that he continues to do in putting these sessions together. I'm so happy to have been with you. This is your host, John Landis. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Radio Hour. We'll catch you again next Sunday. Don't forget that podcasts are on the WLIW site and other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Stay well, take care of each other, uh, be kind, and from the Jam Session Radio Hour, good night. (laughs) you <laughs>